episode 12 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T-Dot, and as always, joined by Theo. So first and foremost, how are you doing, Theo? Good, 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 but very nervous for 48 <laughs> hours time. Really nervous. Yeah, massive game, massive game. And um, not that we're going to talk about it too much, but if it's anything like the um, Europa League final, in terms of those penalties yesterday, um, last night, it was just, yeah, it was a bit much, wasn't it? Yeah, I think um, being Chelsea fans, we were all backing Villarreal and I think I was just nervous watching that penalty shootout. I can't imagine my nerves and how my heart's going to react should it go to a shootout on Saturday. So, nervy times. Yeah, yeah and it was, um, it, was, it was good to see that um, earlier on our Instagram we put on, or you put on that, you know, who, who's the best goalkeeper out of the three. Um, I did vote for Caballero. Um, I think he's... You know, you you go back to that cup final, um, the the sort of Sari Kepa moment, and you do think you know Caballero knows the City squad. He's good at penalties, I think, as well. Off the top of my head, obviously he doesn't play as many games as the other, other um, goalkeepers in the Premier League, but he's got a good um, convert stopping penalties conversion rate. So I think he's he's um, one that I'd go for as well, but. Let's hope it doesn't go that far. Let's hope, um, yeah. you know, at, at most I'll allow extra time. Um, but any, anything beyond that, I'm, I'm definitely behind the couch. <laughs> yeah, um, I voted for Caballero too. Um, just remembering that shootout against Norwich, I think in the League Cup a few yeah. years ago, he did really well. And as you mentioned, he knows all the City players. So I feel like could it go to a shootout, we could be getting a, a Tim Krul substitution World Cup 2014 styled um, substitution. So um, I think it's something we could expect should it go to a shootout. Yeah. And um, before we get onto the Champions League, let's let's take it back to last Sunday, which was probably just as um, nerve-wracking to watch as, as a Chelsea fan anyway. Um, let's, let's go back to Aston Villa, um, final Premier League of this um, game of the season as well. So could just give us your thoughts around the game and, and, and what happened you know and the fact that we did get the top four in the end but just give us your thoughts initial thoughts on the game it was a it was an all-round really disappointing performance if i'm honest um going into that game we couldn't rely at all on tottenham to beat leicester just like we couldn't rely on palace to beat beat liverpool and you know the 11 players starting that game should have had that mentality of we need to win this it's a must win it's a it's a champions league final you know it's as important as a champions league final and they didn't have that mentality and that's what disappoints me um I'm almost glad that we've got a week to the Champions League final because, um, you know, in between those two games, because I feel like there's a lot of work to be done on the training ground to prepare physically, but also mentally for that game. And, um, you know, we, we had top four to play for, whereas Aston Villa had nothing to play for at all. They, had, they were win, lose, draw. They stayed in 11th, I think it was. They couldn't go up the table. They couldn't go down the table. Maybe they had, you know, the confidence and the you know the drive and the motivation to play in front of their home fans after a year or so so maybe that's what pushed them a bit more than us but um but it was just a very disappointing performance it just didn't seem like we were up for it and what's kind of worried me about this Chelsea side in recent weeks is since that home leg against Real Madrid all our goal scorers have come you know they've been Jorginho from the penalty spots mm. they've been you know Alonso or Chihuahua who are defenders Rudiger who's a defender I think Ziyech at the Etihad, who's come off the bench. So, you know, the likes of Werner, Mount, even Pulisic, they aren't really kind of providing with the goals or, you know, that we'd hoped them for. I mean, Pulisic redeemed himself slightly of that wonderful assist for Chilwell um, against Villa. But it's kind of worrying. You know, you, do, you need those front three to turn up in big games. And that's why I'm very more nervous, you know, for the Champions League final now than I was a couple of weeks ago. So um, very disappointing performance for at Villa Park on Sunday. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I echo a lot of that. I think we were, um, you know, going into that game, and from the the last episode that we did as well, I was I was very optimistic. And uh, if I top of the head, I think I said three nil. I think I said three mm. nil as a prediction, but it was just I don't know whether it was nerves. I don't know whether it was the fact that we knew that we had to win that game. Um, I mean, it was just a weird game. It didn't seem like we'd got on, got on over the, the sort of um, the Leicester. I still think there was that sort of hangover feeling around cup final. Um, obviously then playing that game on the Tuesday against Leicester as well. 
it just seemed like there was, I don't want to say fatigue. I think that's such a weak and feeble excuse to use because they're professional footballers. Um, but it just didn't seem like we were in that game at all. Um, it was just poor. Like you said, you know, it was a poor performance. There were moments where I thought, you know, we could win. I thought Mason Mount had, um, just off the top of my head now, it's been, it seems like it's been a lifetime ago since I watched the game, but I'm sure he had a good chance in the, the first half. He definitely had one in the second, but I think it was on his left foot. Um, yeah, he had that big chance in the first half where you expect him to score. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, th- those are the sort of moments where you mentioned, you know, not to, to pick out Mason Mount because he's been exceptional this season, but we do need the likes of Werner and Havertz and even Pulisic to, to step up at that plate. I think Jorginho is a top goal scorer for, for Chelsea, you know, which tells you a lot. You know, it tells you that we, we do need the attacking players to, to do more um, or, or even just to, like you said, to assist. You know, it, it, I think Ben Chilwell um, had a second chance as well, very similar to the goal um, to, to make it um, 2-2. But I want to I want to talk about the the goal the the first Aston Villa goal um, which I thought was a brilliant goal you know to credit to them because it was it was definitely off the training ground um, and I remember mentioning on, on the the last episode around Bertrand Traore he was just he was just made for him wasn't it to to score against us but just um, on that first goal I mean it was just so easy for them to score yeah we made it we made it very simple for them um, I, I we've watched a couple of you know, a few of the Villa games this season and Bertrand Traore, I think he scored against a lot of the big teams. I think Old Trafford, Herman away, I mean, against United, Herman away. And, you know, it's almost like that goal was always going to come, you know, ex-Chelsea player. Um, we've always got, um, you know, our ex-player scoring against us in the last couple of seasons. I like that he didn't celebrate, credit to him. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like we just switch off in these moments and it was a great strike, but... Um, you know, that moment when that ball, that I didn't really want to watch the replays because I felt so sick inside thinking, you know, <laughs> this, it could all, it could all, you know, go downhill from here, which it looked like it was at, um, at half time and, you know, beginning of the second half. But, um, but yeah, great goal. And, you know, we switch off and we just didn't get in, you know, in front of him in time to block that shot. And, and leading up to the, the second goal, um, so that the penalty, I think it was Jorginho, wasn't it? That gave the penalty away. I mean, I, I, <laughs> At the time, I did think, what else is Jorginho supposed to do at that point? Um, but then in hindsight, you've got to look back. I it, mean, it, it's a penalty. You know, it is a penalty in my eyes. Um, it's harsh, but I think it was a penalty in, in today's football. It, it's, it's a penalty for, for me anyway. I don't know about what you think. It was soft, but it, it was a penalty. I agree. Yeah. Um, when you look at all the decisions that, you know, the referees, they, they stayed kind of relatively consistent with what they've given as a penalty and not a penalty this season, I feel, referees but soft kind of, you know, fouls like that have been given as penalties. Mm-hmm. And then even that Ming's handball, they stay consistent with that, you know, not oh, giving yeah. a penalty. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so at least uh, the referees are staying, staying consistent with their decisions. Yeah. It was, um, it was one of those weird ones where he, he couldn't really, he, he was committed into the tackle. Mm. What do you expect him to, to you know, yeah. you can't pull out of it. So he's already doing it. So I understand why it was given, but it was, for me, it was very soft. It was such a, a poor penalty, um, well taken penalty, obviously, but um, shouldn't have been a penalty for me. It was it was a weak one, um, but the Chilwell goal, like you said, Pulisic. You know, it, I think we, I think we were unlucky because we we definitely. Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head how many shots on target we had. Because um, it was a weird game. It felt like we were, yeah, we had seven seven shots on target, twenty three shots in total, seven of them on, tar- on target, and seventy two percent possession. So it felt like a game where we did everything right. We just didn't mm. score on the on the day. Um, it didn't help as well that whilst we're watching the game, we obviously know that you know Tottenham are playing, um, and and obviously the Leicester game as well. We also know that Liverpool are playing Crystal Palace, and I mean I had sort of multi screens on after the, obviously trying to watch all the games, but it was just knowing that we had to win that game and. I don't know about you, but I know when we, we sort of dropped out of the top four at one point, I'm trying to think it must have been when Leicester were winning. I think Vardy had mm. scored, hadn't he? So um, what we, what was going through your mind at that point? I think I messaged <laughs> you. I, I actually felt physically sick. I felt physically sick just seeing us, you know, in that fifth spot and Liverpool yeah. and Leicester ahead of us. And then I think at the same period, Kepa was coming on for Mendy. And yes. I was in the back of my head, I was thinking... Mendy not fit for the Champions League final. We're in fifth fifth space now. Like what's happening? Um, you know, so it's moments like that where football just makes you feel sick. But um, 
but yeah, luckily um, Spurs got the result and managed to help us with Gareth Bale. Yeah, but definitely. um, it's kind of it's very bittersweet in a way because it's it's you kind of want to qualify, you know, in a clean way, and you want to get you know a week before a Champions League final, you want to get that com- comfortable win. I feel you know against a mid-table team. So um, so yeah, it's very bittersweet. Yeah, it was um, it was hard to watch. I'll admit, you know, there was. There was moments where I just thought we, I'm re- I was resigned to the fact we were playing Europa League football, and I was ready for sort of the banter and the backlash and all of that. I was sort of preparing myself for it, um, but it was, you know, it turned out all right for us, you know. And I'm sure Leicester, when they look back, they'll they'll realise that you know they've won an FA Cup as well this season. It's great to get in the Champions League. Realistically, how far would they've gone in the in the Champions League this season as well, in next season as well? So. You know, in ten years from now, they'll they'll see that they've won an FA Cup, but they missed out. No one's going to remember that they missed out yeah. on top four. Yeah. So, I think you no, know, we we congratulated them a few weeks ago on here, and you know, I'm, I'm sure all Leicester fans, if if they're being honest, would prefer to have the FA Cup over a, a top four spot anyway. I agree. Um, I think you know they they've been in the Champions League back in 2016-17. I think um, they struggled a bit in the Europa League this season. I think they got knocked out to Slavia Prague. Yeah. So I think, you know, the real test for them would be getting, you know, further into the knockout stages in the Europa League before, you know, I think thinking, OK, we've we've had our journey now in Europa. Now it's time to challenge for the Champions League. But um, credit to them. I think they were the team that stayed the longest amongst the top four all season, even ahead of City United. So it almost feels a bit, they must be a bit disgusted to have dropped out, um, you know, on the final day. But, yeah. um, but I'd agree. I think they did kind of cherish an FA Cup triumph over a top four um, spot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I know it's been rescinded, but we need to talk about this Espiaqueta, uh challenge, which I did watch again today. And I'm on the fence. <laughs> I'm a bit on the fence. Because um, he, does, he does lash out. He lashes out at Jack Grealish. Um, but before that, prior to that, which not many people have spoken about as well, um, there seems to be sort of, Jack kind of sort of steps on um, Cesar Espiaqueta's leg a little bit which would warrant the, you know, the arm reaching out slightly. But um, obviously I'm glad it's been rescinded because um, it was a bit soft as well, but I can see why it would have been a red because he's raised his arm. But mm-hmm. what, what was your initial thoughts during the game? And then obviously now that we know that it's been rescinded. First time I saw it, I thought that Asby, you know, messed up. You know, I thought it was very unorthodox from Asby as well, being our, yeah. our captain, being, you know, kind of relatively clean player. And, um, you know, he's a bit of a, he should be setting the example on the pitch, having that captain's armband. And I thought, you know, that's very foolish of him. I thought maybe a bit disappointed of Tuchel as well, because he knows the, the Spurs result probably on the on the touchline. So he should maybe communicate it with Aspie being like, calm down, you know, no point to lose your temper. We're guaranteed top four now. Mm-hmm. But maybe there was a bit of lack of communication. And also, um, so we were really disappointed at the time. Then when I watched a replay on match for the day, the next day, I did kind of feel like it was relatively soft. It was just a bit of a flick of the hand. And then it didn't really touch his face. It was more, you know, his chin or maybe yeah. his his neck. And to be fair, I thought Grealish was very lucky to be on the on the pitch in the first place. Like in that first half, the amount of fouls that he committed that were worthy of a yellow. Yeah. And you know, every time the ref would play on, because Chelsea would manage to re, you know gather the ball and you know have counter attack. But he was a very lucky late challenge. He didn't bring it back, did he? Even even no. though we got the advantage, he never brought it back at all. There were three fouls in that first half that were worthy of a yellow. And then I think seconds after. Grealish committed one of those fouls. I think Werner did a silly one and got booked straight away. Mm. So it's, you know, typical striker's foul, you know, not really knowing how to go into the, you know, into the challenge. And mm. I thought they were three challenges where we have a yellow and you do wonder whether he would have committed that foul, had he already been booked. Yeah. So I think he was lucky to be on the pitch. But um, but yeah, no excuses for Aspie, really. Yeah. And I mean, it's good that it's been, from our perspective, it's been rescinded. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll be a vital part of the, the the start of the season as well for us. So we need to have him there, um, whatever the team is that we, we go with for the first three games of the season. But um, overall, you know, I think we've got to look at the, the way that we had the season, um, the first half. I look at the season in two halves, obviously before, um, you know, under the Frank Lampard part of the season. And then we've got to look at the two goal part separately. But I think overall... Um, you know, we've said it before on here, you know, had someone said to us, we'd get top four, we'd be in the FA Cup final, uh, FA Cup final and the Champions League final. Um, no one would have, uh, you know, in de- December, no one would have thought that at all. So to, to still have that as the achievement at the end of the season, we have to look at it as a, as a positive season. It's not the best season, 
Um, I wouldn't say it's a, su- a successful season at all, but we've got to look at the positives from it as well. I'd agree. Um, yeah, January, I feel like this was, you know, almost like a far-fetched vision that no, no Chelsea fan would have expected or no football fan, in, uh, mm. to say the truth. But, um, but yeah, I think a lot of like lessons to be learned as well, um, particularly around that number nine position, you know, in this, going into the summer transfer market. And also, I think um, we're only going to get better from now. Um, Tuchel will have his preseason. He'll know his first 11. He'll know which players he wants to bring in, maybe which players he wants to get rid of. And um, I'm expecting, you know, much better things domestically, at least in uh, uh, next season from, the, from, from Chelsea and also from the players that we signed um, last summer who are still kind of, you know, on a mission to prove themselves, I'd say. Yeah, and I'm just just reading off our um, our Twitter because I think we've um, had someone Neil Roberts has said based on um, he said that we've had we had loads of players um, playing there that f- they were playing for their international places um, that were on the fringe. Obviously, they weren't none of the Euro squads were selected at that point as well. So um, you know we should have won the game, missed a lot of chances. Um, you know, he's put, hopefully we can turn up and, and give Man City a game on Saturday, which I'm sure every Chelsea fan echoes that as well. Um, you know, it, it, it's a fair point. You know, a lot of those um, Euro squads, I think were released possibly afterwards, weren't they over yeah. the last couple of days? So yes, of course, Havertz, Werner, we're going to probably make the Euro squads. There was no real doubt around that. Mesa Mount for England as well. Um but you still want to put on a, I think he's even beyond international football. You just, you know, you want to play for the club that you represent more so as well. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, you know, what's at stake is top four Champions League football. Yeah, I agree. Um, a lot of those players probably knew as well, maybe that they were already selected at international teams, the ones you mentioned. But I think some other ones are like maybe the Zuma, the Giroud, not guaranteed, maybe Christensen as well. So they had a point to prove. I don't know if they don't, I don't think they played a part on Sunday, but, um, but yeah, maybe, but yeah, definitely, um, you know, international football in the back of the players' heads. And I don't want to kind of say, use that word t- fatigue or tiredness, but I think that may have played a bit of a part physically and mentally as well. Mm. And it'd be interesting to see, obviously, whether a lot of those players were thinking, you know, um, they don't want to get injured for the, the Champions League final as well. Um, you know, they don't want to be, I mean that's a big final you know it's an all English final and how often to, you know we haven't been in it for, for, for a few years now so I'm sure a lot of these players will want to be in that Champions League final they don't want to be injured so that could have I mean we could sit here all night and, and make up reasons as to why we didn't beat Aston Villa um, but as I say we've got to look at it from the point of view that although we didn't beat them we, we were in the top four we're in Champions League next season um, and we just have to at this point now just draw a line under under this league and Hope that we have a brilliant preseason. Um, obviously, the players come back from from the Euros, and there's no injuries that are long term going into next season as well. But we've got to look at it now that we we draw this a close to this, and then we we, we go again next season. But um, I wanted to mention before we move on to the Champions League around Giroud um, and obviously Tammy Abraham, who we've mentioned on here many a times before. And I'm just trying to think. I don't remember. Um, trying to think now I don't think either of them came well Giroud definitely didn't come on did he I don't think not sure he did no I think he came on against no he didn't it was the Leicester Leicester. game so he didn't he didn't come on and I don't think Tammy was even in the squad was he we made the Kepa substitution so I think that probably was our first one and then I think we brought Havertz and was it Ziyech on I think yeah yeah so um, ideally I'd love to keep Olivier Giroud I think he's a yeah, we've spoke about him before, but if that was his last game, um, you know, ideally I'd love to have just seen him get, you know, 10, 15 minutes. I know mm. obviously there was no fan, no, no Chelsea fans there, but just to give him that sort of, you know, that last send off, um, yeah. it would have been ideal. I mean, he got, he, he, he came on for the last five, 10 minutes at Stamford Bridge against Leicester midweek. He did, yeah, um, he did. And I think, you know, he had that lap of, the lap of, you know, yeah, lap of honour at the end. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'd love to keep him for another season. Um, I think his family's settled you know, around Battersea in, in London. Yeah, um, I've seen him a few times in Battersea Park, and I know that he loves London life and um, type of play. You know, you can you know you can count on him and rely on him for these big games. And he's hungry for goals as well. He's 34, 35, I think. Yeah. But you know, he wants to score more. He's still desperate to be called up to the national team, and um, he knows the Premier League well. And um, you know, when you if you're going to go in for a player like Lukaku, Lewandowski, Kane, I don't know who. 
maybe it might reduce Giroud's minutes, but you just know you can count on him. Should there be an injury? Should there be some kind of problem? And if I'm completely honest, if I, if Werner Havertz, those type of players were injured for Saturday, which I know Tuchel relies on the most, I I'd love to. I'd start be happy to see Giroud start and have you know be full of confidence that he'd put in a good performance over mm-hmm. someone maybe more like Tammy Abraham, who seems a bit you know still learning and still um you know you know not likely to get create a goal out of nothing. Let's put it like that. I think it's a it's a, a good shout. You know, I think putting Tammy in which I don't think we're going to need to do this, but if we had to put Tammy in into a Champions League final, I think I'd have to get the brandy out because it's going to it'd be a, it'd be a long night thing. Um, oh. But yeah, I understand what you mean. You know, Drew gives you that sense of um, you know being able to to trust him as a striker. He may not get as many chances as the the others, you know, but he, when he gets them, he takes them a lot better. I think we can say that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, you know, I'd like I'd love to keep him and um it'll be interesting obviously over the summer whether we do that. I I think I mean we'll talk about transfers slightly later, but I do think, you know, he's he's probably he does want to play a bit more football I than think, he's been playing. I think he's off. Yeah, I think he's off. Yeah. I saw today. I think Roma, AC Milan, Lazio are the clubs linked to him. Last thing, on, no, last thing for Giroud is um just against Villa, the amount of crosses we were putting in the box and just no one was there. It was just the type of game that was screaming for Olivier Giroud to just have a, you know, a bullet header or even a diving header to just put it in the back of the net. So yeah. you've got players like Reese James, Aspi, even Chilwell who can put in a really good cross. And, you know, Werner's not the tallest of players and he's not, even when he is, does get a head on it, he doesn't manage to generate a lot of power. So yeah. type of thing that maybe Tuchel should consider for Sa- for Saturday. Yeah, and ho- I mean, yeah. Hopefully, you know, there's there's still the the option of having Giroud on the bench or you know bringing him on if we need to. Um, so it'd be interesting. But let's let's move over to um, Saturday eight o'clock. Although I'll be watching from six o'clock. I think the the coverage starts from then. I'm gonna sit down and get myself ready. Um, but let's let's talk about the Champions League final, all English final, Manchester City. Um, how nervous will you be? <laughs> I've literally just booked out my whole Saturday um, <laughs> just to like prepare mentally for it. And even from now, I'm just still, it's always in the back of my mind. I'm almost like enjoying this moment where I can still say we're in a Champions League final because for, you know, Sunday morning, we might, you know, just be that team that came second. But yeah. um, but what I, mean, I do like in a way is no one expected us to be in a Champions League final, as we mentioned. And we should remember that, that you know, no, no matter what happens, Mount, Reese James, Abraham, if he plays a part, even, you know, Werner and Havertz, you know, they're 21, 24 max. They're young players. Yeah. They're only going to get better. They're still learning. You know, when we played Bayern Munich last season in the in a Champions League knockout stage, we saw that difference in quality, you know, um, especially in that second leg when I think we got, we lost 4-1 at the Allianz Arena. Yeah. I kind of came out of that game thinking, you know, this is a learning lesson. These players, you know, will get better. They'll learn, which we have this season. You know, we, we've knocked out Atletico Madrid, Porto. Big um, teams. But big teams and then Real Madrid in the semis, but um, but it's whether they have that you know they're mentally prepared to take on you know arguably the best team in Europe. Let's face it, Manchester City in a Champions League final. I don't know, and it's really going to be a test of you know mentality, I reckon. And anything can happen in a Champions League final, yeah. no matter form. It's ninety minutes. You know we beat them twice recently in the last month or two, which maybe will play a part. You know, currently subconsciously, but um, at the same time. It's type of game, you know, a fluke could happen. We could win 3-0. We could be, you know, 3-0 down at half time, like we, yeah. we know that game at Stanford Bridge early in the season. So it's, I'm definitely nervous, definitely, definitely yeah. nervous. But yeah. um, at the same time, um, I mean, I like the fact maybe we're the underdogs. I, I hope Chelsea fans know that we're the, the underdogs and they should remember I should that. hope so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 2012 style. Yeah, well, I was, it was strange because I was reading up about when... Um, I was looking at the squads when we we played Bayern Munich um, in 2012, and we're forgetting that we we lost. Obviously, John Terry wasn't playing. I think it was Basingua that was on uh, right back. Obviously, we had Ashley Cole left back, Cahill, and uh, David Luiz were centre backs. John Obi Mikel, Lampard in the middle, Solomon Kalou, I think, was on the right mm. with Bertrand on the left, Mata and Drogba um, up front. And I also forgot um, Dropper 
gave away a penalty, didn't he, against Robin uh, who, when when he missed as well. Robin missed we the penalty. We forget that. We yeah. forget that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we were so and and we got battered in that. We really got hammered in that game. Um, in terms of possession, I think we we had less than forty percent. We had three shots, I think, on target that game. It could just be that again. You know, we know City are going to be relentless on Saturday. On Saturday, we know that already. We we know how they play, which I think is a good thing. We're not playing a team that we don't play or we don't get to. You know, they're not. You know, they're in the Premier League, so we see them quite often. I'm sure Tuchel's studied them even more so. Um, you know, throughout this season, he would have kept an eye on them as soon as he took the job on. I'm sure. Um, even before then, you know, I'm sure he's been keeping an eye on them as well. So, um, anything can happen. You know, we've we've got experience. Obviously, we lost in 2008. Was it against United as well? So we've got experience of what it feels like to lose the Champions League final. We've also won the Champions League final. City can't can't say that, which I think yeah. is, um, you know, something we can use to our advantage mentally. I think you know we can. Okay, they're different players. You know, these, these aren't the players that were there. In I don't think there's anyone left, obviously, from 2012 squad. But Petacek. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, you, you, they can use that as a advantage to say that you know we we've been there already. We know what it's like. City can't do that, and it's strange because even in the final, you could have the best players and they could crumble under the pressure of the final. Um, so it's great that they've got Kevin De Bruyne. It's great that they've got Ruben Diaz and Edison in goal. But, you know, they could crumble. Mm. We saw in the Europa League last night, you know, yeah, arguably yeah. Sit, United were their better team on, on paper. You know, Cavani, um, Rashford, Fernandez, Greenwood. Yeah. Uh, Greenwood, quality players. And, you know, they just, they weren't clinical enough. They didn't, you know, take their chances. And, you know, and they ended up, you know, taking it penalties and losing. So, um Anything can happen in a Champions League final. And um, as you mentioned, it's uncharted territory for Manchester City. Um, I, was, I wrote about it in my recent Champions League article um, for the magazine, um, Champions Journal magazine. And I thought, you know, even though a lot of those players don't, didn't play a part, I think, you know, it's kind of engraved in the, the DNA of the club, you know, Chelsea, that we've made it to a Champions League final. We've won it mm-hmm. before. They probably got pictures of, you know, the players celebrating all around the dressing room and the training ground. And I think, you know, I think when you sign for Chelsea, you know that that's the objective, you know, to win the Champions yeah. League. Whereas City, it's always, you know, kind of been that, you know, trophy that they dream of having and, you know, Guardiola dreamed of having with Manchester City. But at the same time, they've, you know, it's their first ever final. We've, you know, we've been in a final which we've lost and then we've been in a final and we've, which we've won. Whereas City have never even participated in the European final. So yeah. definitely it's uncharted territory for them. And I think even over, I mean, obviously they've got better over the years have gone on, but I remember. I don't think it's under Pep, so forgive me, it might have been uh, under maybe... Pellegrini? Pellegrini. They were mm. awful in the Champions League. They were really mm. awful. They Obviously, they've got better and they've got a better manager in Pep under them. Um, but I just I just think we, we've got just as good as a chance to do that and beat them. And we are the underdogs. Um, looking at the squad that we went in with 2012, I'd, I'd argue that we've got a better squad now um, obviously dropper if he if he's available <laughs> and he wants to play up front for us on Saturday then great but um, you know we've got we've got a better squad you, you think about the, the back you know Thiago Silva and um, the midfield in, in Kante as well so we've got a squad that can match City you know we're not it's not that I don't want to disrespect Man United but we're not Man United we're not Arsenal you know we've got a really good squad there that we can we can be happy we can be proud of that does need a bit of work. It does need a bit of tweaking in terms of getting a Werner to, to maybe a bit be a bit more attacking or take his chances better. But the squad in itself is amazing. Um, yeah. You know, we've got just as good as a squad as a City in some aspects as well. And depth. We've got a lot of squad depth now as well. You know, our bench isn't rubbish. We've got a good bench. Uh, we mentioned Tammy, um, Abraham and obviously Olivier Giroud. But, you know, we've got... Well, I'll ask you now. Who, who who would you start? Who would you start in the final? Personally, who I would start. Yeah. Seeing that, how that game against Villa went and the chances we missed and the crosses <laughs> not put into the box, I would start Olivier Giroud. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Olivier Giroud's, but um, but knowing Tuchel, he'll stick with maybe Werner and I think bring Havertz on around the you know 60th, 70th minute mark. But um, but just yeah, going back to what you said about you know we've got a better squad than 2012. We've also got no disrespect to Di Matteo, but a better manager. Yeah. A manager yeah. who's more, you know, he knows football, you know, better, I feel, you know, he's, he's been, you know, he's managed Dortmund and he mm. got them, you know, 
really did really well with them domestically in Germany. And then he took PSG to a Champions League final last season. So he wanted to go that step further this year, you know, having come close, so come so close last season, you know, in, in Lisbon, same country this season, Porto, but in Porto, yeah. he wants to, you know, definitely want to be lifting that trophy. And I think, you know, he's, he's, he knows his football. He can tell he, he knows his football. He knows, he seems to, I was watching his interview the other day and he said, you know, that his kids apparently didn't even know that cartoons existed on TV because they just thought, you know, they just watch football on TV and these are his kids. So he must be like a football mad household. And, <laughs> and, you know, I think he going into a Champions League final with Tuchel as your manager gives you that just a bit more confidence. I know you're, yeah. you're we're facing Guardiola, who's a, you know, serial winner, but, um, but I'm happy that we've got Tuchel. And as you mentioned, all that depth in our squad will only yeah. do us um, some positives as well. He's, he's got flaws though, Pep. You know, he does, he does have some times where very similar to what I felt Tuchel done in our, our FA Cup final. Pep loves to overcomplicate things in times when he doesn't need to do it. And he's done it in the past as well. Um, away from Man City, I remember his time at Barca, he, did, he used to do crazy for He'd play like, a, I don't know, a centre mid at right back or something stupid, you know, a, a holding midfielder would be playing in left left back or something. So um, he does overlook, overcomplicate things and I wouldn't be surprised if he, it'd be interesting how Man City line up. Um, I mean, I can kind of probably name the squad that I think he'll go with, but just I wanted to ask you around, because um, obviously Kante, um, and Jorginho have been playing in the middle. Kovacic kind of coming back into form. I think he got probably over an hour, didn't he, against Aston Villa. So w- would you start with Kovacic or would you leave him on the bench? Because <laughs> I think he'd be a better fit in the final myself. Mm. I think I've been having more. almost arguments in my own head, thinking about, <laughs> you know, which two midfielders to start because he got Kante, who got injured against Le- uh, Leicester last week. And I think he only trained, he came back into training on Wednesday, so yesterday. But at the same time, he's N'Golo Kante, you know. We need we saw, him. <laughs> we need him. We saw him in, in, in Baku against Arsenal. He was playing with one leg and he, yeah. he pocketed the whole team. So um, he'll be definitely one of those midfielders. He's got to be the first name on the team sheet. And the second one, it's a difficult one because you've got Kovacic, who's only just come back from injury. And there's two games he has played. He gave, you know, he got dispossessed, I think quite easily for two chances. I think one yeah. was for... Was it McGinn? I think one McGinn, of them was McGinn, was McGinn it? against Villa. And I think it was yeah. Ian Nacho, which led to the goal against Leicester. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, he's still a quality player. You know, mm. he's a really quality player. We saw how good he's been in, uh, you know, in those first couple of Champions League games in the groups. And I think against the ones he played against Atletico. So, um, but at the same time, Jorginho gets a lot of stick, a scapegoat at time. Um, he's made a few mistakes, even away that penalty and also the, the blunder against Arsenal. But um, whichever one starts between the two, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm comfortable. Yeah. But um, yeah. if I had to choose, maybe just for that, kind of maybe if just being a bit more attacking, potentially Kovacic. Kovacic. I'd love to see that. But my worry is, is he fully fit? Um, mm-hmm. Is he someone that can last the game? And also, I'm assuming if it does go through to extra time and penalties, you know, Jorginho is going to be taken, if not the, the first, maybe the second penalty. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I think it, it's neither here nor there. I think we need we need to obviously we need to start with the best eleven. And if he's not fully fit, I, personally, I'd probably put him on the bench. Have Jorginho, but then sometimes Jorginho does worry me because he he is quite he means well, but he does like to get stuck in with a couple of the challenges. And if he gets an early yellow card, then you know we can't really afford to you know, to, to be playing a Champions mm. League final with 10 men. It's just, it's just not going to work. And if we do go down to 10 men, we may as well just hand the trophy over because it's going to be, it will be tough to to keep City at bay with 10 men. Yeah. 10 men against Man City, there'll be no 2012 miracles. I feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. Jorginho on a yellow is a, is a bit of a scary thought. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's done it. I think he's, he's calmed it down slightly, but I know when he, I think especially last season, he was, you, know, you could almost put money on him to get a yellow card because he, 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 you know, he's in that position where he's mm. going to commit a lot of fouls. You know, he's trying to win the ball back, um, so it's, a, it's expected of him. But he's just in a final. We've got to be a bit more cautious with with that for me. Um, Mendy came off on um, Sunday against Aston Villa, and I, I, I haven't had a chance to sort of catch up on any press conferences this week. So um, I'm assuming he's fit now. He's he's back in. He's, he was he's, back in training uh, yeah. yesterday alongside Kante. Kante so, as well. It's, so. it's good news, a huge boost for us because I think he is that keeper you want between yeah. the sticks. Um, 
maybe less so for penalties, but um, but for ninety minutes or one hundred twenty minutes, you know, the, the the Aguero penalty was. <laughs> I know it was a fluke, but yeah. Um, I'm, just, I'm just thinking back at that Mendy shootout against Tottenham um, yeah. in the League Cup. They save one, whereas Kepa and Caballero have yeah. um, they've been quite good from you know saving penalties and that that Kepa penalty. I think he saved against Valencia in the Champions League last season. And I've watched it a few times. It's He's an amazing save. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really it's is. quite it's it's above him, you know, and he just sticks up that high that kind of you know you know arm that's above him and yeah. a really good save. And that, even that stop with his knee against Frankfurt. You know that power, yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. you just expect it to slide underneath your body. But um, but yeah, I think if I had to rank my penalty goalkeepers, it'd be from what I've seen at least, it would be um, Caballero, Kepa, then Mendy. But Mendy, um, yeah, I trust you, to make the right right decision. Yeah, I agree. Um, just talking about it, even mentioning penalties is worrying me already. He's making me a bit on edge. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm optimistic. I think we can. Uh, you can only beat the team that's in front of you and. City are an amazing team and we know that everyone knows that Pep's a brilliant manager but they have got flaws in that team and if we can keep Kevin De Bruyne quiet if we can expose I'm assuming he's probably going to play John Stones at centre back with Ruben Diaz if we can cause Stones to make errors which he's he's known to doing at times as well I don't see why we can't win this final I really don't it wouldn't surprise me if Timo Werner turns up and actually plays a a blinder of a game I really wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me because he just he, you know he does and I think he's got quite a few goals anyway hasn't he and um, the, the sort of European I'm trying to think how many he's got but he's he's got a few I think he got two against Ren one against Krasnodar from the penalty spots and then he yeah. got that tapping against Real easy so one. I think yeah so, it's, yeah, so he's, got, goals, yeah. he's got a fair few in the Champions League so he seems to like the Champions League more than he likes the Premier League so um if I have to do predictions, which I'm sure we'll have to, um, I'm going to, I don't think it will go through to penalties. I don't, uh, I'm going to give two, I'm going to give two predictions. I'm going to give one, one. I think it'd be very cagey. So I'm going to go for one, one. Or oh, I'm going to go for one, nil Chelsea. I like, I'd be happy about one, nil, but yeah. um, I literally just got up before doing this. Um, recording i got a notification you know play predictors open on the fifth standout and i've left it i've left it blank for now but um but you know just the way things have gone this season it's almost like the pattern is just so similar to 2012 mm. you know i wrote i wrote an article in the champions league journal um you know about the similarities yeah they're just you know i'm quite superstitious as well so i'm gonna say one one extra time and then chelsea to win on penalties, penalties. It's a good which shout. is not it's not it's gonna be a scary thought but um like, like I, I said, I hope get, I'm wrong. I'll get the brand ready just in case. Um, I'll be joining I'm, you. Just, just thinking about Man City's penalty takers as well. I'm just trying to think. I, I just don't know if they've got many decent they've penalty got, takers. They've got a bad record. I think Aguero and Jesus have missed the fair few. I think in yeah. the league. And well, Kevin does Kevin De Bruyne. I'm sure he takes penalties every I'm now and sure. again, doesn't and he, he? Probably Sterling and Mares can take them, mm. but. Um, Sterling under the pressure though I think he, yeah. he would probably miss Maybe, I think he'd miss all this talk about you know penalty goalkeepers penalty takers for me it just seems inevitable that it's going to be a shootout now yeah yeah and let's just hope it doesn't end up being Mendy or Caballero having to take one because <laughs> after, <sighs> after last night I just I mean to be honest David De Gea wasn't really he did, no. He just he was never going to score that I, I don't know whether he was just nerves or I think at one point he was fixing his goalkeeper gloves as he was gonna he was gonna take it. You don't need to use your hands yeah, to kick the ball. He, he hadn't saved one since twenty sixteen. So, it. you know, probably Ole, you're probably thinking, Are you bringing Henderson on who's Henderson. having saved five or six recently? Yeah. But um but yeah, I think really smashed the Villarreal goalkeeper smashed his in the, yeah, you know, yeah, in the top net. corner. Yeah. And I remember Courtois taking a couple in preseason, I think twenty preseason twenty fifteen, I think, against PSG and he was just smashing them in the roof of the net as well. And I think so, that's, um, sometimes you've got to do that. You've got to just bank on the fact that you've got enough power in, in, in the shot that it's just going to go in. Because these, these goalkeepers, the way they train, I think they've got a net in front of them, you know, when they take their yes, goal yeah, kicks yeah. Yeah. and they just smash it into a net, you know, constantly. And, you know, probably what they do for these penalties, they just know the trajectory of the ball and they know that it can get some height and in the roof of the net. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, but just as long as Caballero, Mendy or Kepa, whichever one it is, can do that. <laughs> Then. <laughs> it's not going to come to that. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. So you're going to go for 1-1, one, one, extra time, penalties, Chelsea. 
Yeah, you've got yeah. to go. You've got to back your team. You've yeah. got to back your team. I'm more inclined to say uh, one one nil Chelsea. I think if we get a goal, we're very good defensively. We like clean sheets. Yes, it's Man City, but I think we can do it. So I'm, I'm more leaning towards one one nil rather than one one. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Saturday eight o'clock. You may not see me or hear from me on Sunday. <laughs> Um, but yeah it's going to be an interesting game it's going to be an interesting game and um, yeah whoever wins I'm sure you know it'd be a, a proud moment for obviously English football you know to have two two um, English teams in a prim- from the Premier League in the Champions League final um, but yeah hopefully it's us you know we can play the Super Cup as well um, which is brilliant I love that I love that tournament well say tournament that, that final um, you need to win it because I think we've lost the last two or three haven't we? yeah we don't normally do well um, mm. We played. We played Liverpool, didn't we? It was the, the we lost to Liverpool on penalties, yeah, then we lost to Bayern on penalties, and Atletico yeah. and in penalties, Monaco. Penalties, penalties. Yeah. Yeah, but hopefully we, you know, it doesn't go that far. And if we do win, you know, we're we'll sure we'll. <laughs> um, but let's move over to um, a topic that I know you wanted to cover as well. craziness going on in Italy Serie A at the moment with uh, managers swapping different clubs and the availability of Lukaku we've got Lewandowski which I think we've been linked with as well Haaland Harry Kane may stay now if Pochettino comes back don't know but if he doesn't then he's an option I feel like I'm missing someone Donnarumma. Donnarumma possibly Eden Hazard now. And he's in that. There you go. That was the main mm. one. So out of those players who are currently linked with us, who or if any would you take? And um, for me more so, especially for Eden Hazard, who I, I think is an amazing player, but what would be the reasons for him wanting them? I mean, the goalkeeper one's probably easy, but in terms of, Start with Eden Hazard, actually, because that's a that's probably a good one to start with. I mean, firstly, I think I'm going to try to you know play devil's advocate and understand why things haven't worked at Real Madrid. I remember reading an article about you know their fitness you know routine and you know their their gym routine as well as the kind of their physios, and apparently it's quite intense. So mm. that may lead to a lot of his injuries. And I know that at Chelsea he was never the fittest in terms of the gym. So um, you know if he's put through like a really tedious gym routine, you know week in week out, that may lead to injuries. So I don't think he's, Real Madrid have necessarily looked after him really well. And the other thing is, he's never really kind of, you know, the fans have never really kind of opened up to him. You just saw in after that, that game at Stamford Bridge, all the comments on his Instagram, you know, how kind of, you know, disgusted they were with him. And, you know, that affects your performance on the pitch. Whereas if you got, you know, the backing of your fans, you want to want to give 110%. So, um, and also now with Zidane leaving, Zidane was a huge reason why he wanted to join Real Madrid. And it was confirmed today that, Zidane's leaving he's stepping down yeah. so you know he might think now listen it's going to be a new manager that I'm going to have to play for the fans don't like me I'm struggling with this fitness routine you know I want out you know I've tried two seasons now um, he may think that or on the contrary he might think you know I've not proven my worth here I haven't proved why I'm, you know they paid 100 and 120 I don't know how much it was 100 million Yeah. Um, you know I want to stay another season and show that you know what Eden Hazard is capable of and you know, similarly to, I think, 2016, when he had that really poor season when we finished 10th in the league, um, he, that same summer, he just, you know, he, he played his best possible football at the Euros. So I think there's a possibility we see, you know, the, the real Eden Hazard again with his Belgian teammates at the Euros this summer. Mm. But um, I personally would take him back. I would. You know, he's 30. I think you're going to get another two good years out of Eden Hazard, maybe three or four. You know, he's still a quality player. And I think, you know, just, that emotional connection we have with Hazard. And if you're able to get him for, I think the price I saw was 46 million, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bargain. It is it's a bargain. A bargain. If, yeah. if, I mean, if it's a bargain when we, you know, when I, even Hazard, I remember was the one who was just dribbling, you know, past Coquelin and Alberto Moreno, you know? So, um, I'd take him back for that price, which is a bit harsh and whichever player maybe has to kind of, you know. That was going to be my question to you next. Like who, who, because obviously we've got, like I mentioned before, we've got some brilliant talent, young talent as well, you know, 20s, 21s, 23, 24, 5-year-olds. And 
Um, Eden Hazard brings that experience. You know, he knows the Chelsea way of doing things as well. Um, my only worry is the injuries that he has picked up. Um, and he was, I mean, he wasn't injury pro when he was at Chelsea, but he did have the odd injury when he was at Chelsea already. Uh, but when we get him, or when we've had him, what he can do, you know, we know what he's he's capable of doing. Um, but my only worry is, is he at that stage where he's, he's going to be re, having reoccurring injuries and we're spending a lot of time maybe pushing someone out who is currently being developed under Tuchel out, you know, into the cold or they're going shipped off on loan just to make way for Eden Hazard, who may actually be something we don't really need. Mm, it's not, it's not a priority. The, the yeah. winger position, if I'm honest, yeah. but it's just the, you know, the fact that Eden Hazard, you yeah. know, who had, you know, I think it was eight or seven amazing years at Chelsea and, you know, he made Stamford Bridge, you know, his home. And he even said, you know, after leaving, after gaming Baku, I'm going to return one day to Stamford Bridge when I, you know, I finished my duties in, in Madrid. Yeah. Um, but the one player that I think could potentially leave should ha- Eden Hazard arrive is possibly Callum Hudson-Odoi out on loan. Um, mm. There's been talks of Dortmund wanting. Dortmund. Yeah. Um, Hudson Adore and Abraham, and if it's Dortmund taking Hudson Adore on loan, I'd be I'd be happy to see that because Dortmund have a reputation of developing really good young English talent. You know, Bellingham, yeah. Sancho, and then other players in the Bundesliga. I think Smith Rowe, and I think maybe was was it Enketia? I think maybe went from yeah, I think the Bundesliga. Just, I think they've signed someone from Redden today as well. Mm, but, um, yeah, but they've they've been brilliant. You know, and it's like you see a lot of English players sometimes tr- attempt to go to the Spanish league or the Italian league and struggle. Yeah, but the Bundesliga is that one where they can really excel. So, and if it means you know just learning him, and then you you've got a really good Hudson Odoi coming back, full of confidence, and then challenging the likes of Pulisic, and you know possibly even Werner, whoever you know whichever wingers yet we have. Yeah, I think that could be you know a scary thought because I think Hudson Odoi still hasn't lived up to his full potential, but his full potential is very very scary. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that the toss of you know four I think I've seen forty million for Hazard. Um, when you think how much Madrid have paid for him and they are desperate for money, you know, um, very similar to Inter Milan, who, which one of the reasons why Antonio Conte decided to leave Inter Milan was because they need to reduce the wage bill. Um, I think I read they want to um, try and recover, recoup 80 million or so in, in um, sales over the summer. So that was something Conte didn't want to do. He wanted to retain the squad and build on the squad. Um, so Lukaku, I think, is, I've, been, I've heard 75 million um, 75 to 70 million for Lukaku, which I think is off the back of the seasons that he's had it into Milan is another bargain. Um, my question is, and we've spoke about Haaland on here and obviously Harry Kane, is he the better suited um, striker for us? We've had him before. He knows the Premier League. Um, obviously Harry Kane does as well, but in terms of Haaland, is he the price? Is he the, the better suited striker for us? <sighs> I think maybe not the better suited considering maybe the age of Haaland and, you know, the potential of Haaland, but the m- most realistic option yeah, is yeah. definitely, definitely Lukaku. And, you know, just that video, I think when he was, you know, I think 12 or 13 and he did that stadium tour of Stanford Bridge, you know, it was a known fact that he was a boyhood Chelsea fan. His idol was Drogba. He had the posters in his room. Yeah. So I think it's almost like the story, you know, the fairy tale story for him to come back to Chelsea and be, you know, a top goal scorer. And as we, as you said, he knows the Premier League well. He had really successful loans at um, West Brom and Everton. Everton. And, you know, he went yeah. on to join Everton. And then United, I always thought he was unfairly treated there. You know, good striker, but would always be criticised if he didn't contribute goals. Or, you know, people would say, oh, his first touch is very poor. He got a lot of stick, didn't he? He got too much stick. It, wasn't, it was undeserved stick, I felt. And um, the Serie A and Conte have just made him better now. And he looks just, you know, you compare him now. The fact we're comparing him to Kane and to Haaland and to Lewandowski probably says a lot about how good he's gotten in the last year or two. Yeah. So um, 75 million for Lukaku back, you know, to solve our number nine problems, I think would be the signing of, signing of the, the summer. For sure. I agree. I agree. And if we did end up getting Eden Hazard back as well, can you, I mean, I can only, I'm just thinking, visualising it now, just the, the attacking presence and the intensity of that as well. Because um, I feel like, like you mentioned, Lukaku's game developed so much, obviously from, when we had him, um, even when he was at West Brom, you know, he wasn't he wasn't the most prolific goal scorer, even at Everton. Um, but when he, he did score, he scored a lot of goals. I'm sure he scored 
he did score quite a bit for West Brom as well. Um, mm. So it'd be interesting if we can get him. I think the the most realistic and he is the most suited. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, for the fee, I'd rather take a hit and a gamble, I suppose, on Lukaku rather than paying 150, 200 million on Harry Kane. Yes, we're going to get amazing goals out of him. He might be top goal scorer, but um, I'm sure there must be, I think Lukaku surely must be younger than Kane, if not maybe mm. around around a similar age. But just for the fee, you know, the fee is mm. the thing that sways it for me. I think, you know, you're going to get more for your money out of Lukaku than you would for Harry Kane in, in, a, in yeah. a weird way. So, mm. And also since Costa's left, you know, we haven't really had that bully striker that, you know, we, we were hoping for. Murata was a bit bit fragile. Mm. Same with Abraham. Higuain never really lived up to his potential at Chelsea. So um, I think Lukaku would, you know, we've always been looking for that number nine, that number nine, that number nine. I think he'll be that solution. You know, big striker. He's, he's well built as well, which is, yeah. you know, perfect for the Premier League. You know, maybe that's why Vana struggled at times. But um, in that nine, number nine position, at least. But um, agree. Um it just makes sense for him to come back and the most realistic option for the fee that's available. And it's a known fact that um, Inter may need to sell now if they need to, you know, recoup yeah. 80 million. So um, Chelsea, you know, should go into the negotiations knowing that Inter probably need to sell players, whether it's him or Lautaro Martinez, one of the two, but yeah. should play a part. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, I, I did want to um, talk about goalkeepers, which we've mentioned already, but just in the fact that there is talk of Kepper going out on loan as well, um, which would make room for another goalkeeper. Um, Caballero, probably late 30s now, I think. Uh, I think 39 or 40. Yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to be nice to him, but I think, yeah, late 30s, uh, close to 40. So you, you've got to think maybe we might have him on the bench as you know, a third option. But we do, if we loan Kepper out, then there needs to be that competition for Mendy as well. I think... Um, I think that's one of the things that it struggles with. I think when he when he signed for us as well, there wasn't really competition for him um, as such. You know, he just had the jersey and that was it. So I think when Ke- uh, Mendy came in, it kind of gave Kepper the reason to, you know, to actually want to be the best goalkeeper at the club. If we do loan out Kepper, we've got a goalkeeper that's 20-odd who's leaving Roma free transfer I believe as well he's not he's not extending his contract so is he the, the solution to our to our problem is, is this Don, Donnarumma yeah Don, um, yeah um, he's 22 I think he's yeah, got yeah. over 200 appearances for, for AC Milan he made his debut at 15 or 16 he's the first choice for the Italian national team um, I think last summer when you know we were priced out by the the price that I'd like to go asking for Oblak he was the logical you know option um, I know I've mentioned a few times that it's a pain to deal with his agent in Raiola and I actually feel sad for, for Gianluigi oh, yeah. Donnarumma because you can tell he wants to play for AC Milan, his boyhood club in the Champions League and Raiola's you know, stopping him from doing that. Raiola's probably um, going to make him join a Juventus or Inter Milan now, which is you know probably make him the most hated man in Italy and the mm-hmm. most hated man in um, you know, the red side of Milan. But um, for me, it makes sense um, to sign him on a free. Mm. Um, Mendy's 29 now nearly 30 you have to ask yourself the question how many more years of Mendy do we have I know goalkeepers can play until you know late 30s Yeah, but um, I think Mendy Mendy's a great keeper and it'd be very harsh to sign someone to replace him so early on but at the same time I think there's room for improvement and I think Donnarumma's an amazing goalkeeper you know, the fact as I mentioned he, he made his debut at 15 first choice for the Italian national team He's now probably the most wanted goalkeeper in Europe, considering the situation. Yeah, um, I think we should go for it, honestly. Um, and I think we've seen it a few times. It's, it's a bit tricky, but sometimes having that competition, that healthy mm. competition with goalkeepers, you know, like we saw between Petr Cech and Courtois in Courtois' yeah, first yeah. season, yeah. Uh, Petr Cech and even Bird Leno at Arsenal at times. Then you know, this season the De Gea Henderson situation slightly different, maybe. But um, it could be one of those times, you know, maybe. Start Donnarumma on the bench, and then you know play Mendy, and then slowly bring Donnarumma in. But um, but I think it's just too hard to turn down the possibility to sign him on a free. Yeah. If I'm honest, <clears throat> and I think <clears throat> as you mentioned, excuse me, as you mentioned around Oblak as well, he would have been target number one. But I think 
in, in Donnarumma, you get that, you get that same level of goalkeeper, you know, um, like you mentioned, is 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 goalkeeping uh, number one in that Italy national Italian national team, which you think about all the brilliant goalkeepers that have come before him in Italy as well. That's a big, um, you know, statement to make at that age as well. So I, I think we've got, we've got no choice but to sign him. And I agree with you. It's very harsh on Mendy. Um, but one of the things that we do do well, do look at the future of the club as well. And for me, that would be a signing of the future. Um, not to say, you know, he doesn't play, play any part this season, well, next season coming up now and the season after, but I think, you know, 22, he's got, he's got another 10 years ahead of him plus, you know, and he could make a name for himself somewhere. Why not be Chelsea um, is, is what I think as well. So it'll be interesting. It really will. Um, I, I do think Kepa needs to go out on loan. Um, again, that'd be very harsh because I feel like under Tuchel, he's played a lot when he has played, done really well. Um, but I think he needs that first team football you know he needs to be playing week in week out and I think that's the only way he's going to better, hit, better himself as a goalkeeper as well yeah no, he's on a Spanish national team for the Euros this summer and I think the fact oh, he's really? played you know a limited amount of yeah. football this season probably played a part and I think in this head he's thinking if I want to be you know among the, th- the three goalkeepers picked for my national team come you know the World Cup in Qatar um, which is next year now next actually. year yeah 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 um probably thinks that a move is needed to get regular first team football. And I think Lazio was the name mentioned on loan. But um, I think regardless of what happens this summer, we're going to go in for a goalkeeper because mm. I think Kepa will go out on loan potentially. And I think Caballero's contract might not get renewed. Mm. Um, I think he only signed a one-year extension last summer. So it's whether we go for a, a Donnarumma, you know, and have that challenge between Donnarumma and Mendy, or if we go for just someone like a Jack Butland just to replace, you know, play second fiddle to Edouard Mendy for another season or so. Yeah. So it's a tricky one. I think that's the main kind of, you know, it's just the option of, as I mentioned, just down a room on a freeze too good to turn down. But um, I think it's going to be ridiculous wages if it's Raiola, you know, that yeah. kind of stepping Sign, in the way. Signing on fee. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll take it. We'll take the hit. I'm sure Roman will get the, hopefully gets a checkbook out. It's a long-term investment. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure he might he might for me it makes sense to do that. Um so out of those that we mentioned, I'll take Donnarumma, Lekaku, um Eden Hazard. I'd love to take Robert Lewandowski. Uh I mean, it goes without saying, I don't even need to explain why, but I still think Lukaku is the best option. I really do. I think I think he's the you know, Lewandowski is going to get you the 40, 35, you know, goals a season, whatever he's going to get you. But I just think long-term Lukaku for the money, yeah. for the money as well, you know, Lukaku definitely. But um, those would be my three that I'll take. Um, uh, I'd agree. Realistically. I mean, obviously we'd love Haaland, we'd love him, but the, the fee they're going to be asking is going to be ridiculous as well. Mm-hmm. Um, rightfully so. And the same with Harry Kane. We don't do Spurs, which we mentioned on here before. Um, I did put up a, a tweet early yeah. this week actually which was quite interesting um, three times um, there's only been three players that have gone from Chelsea to Spurs um, so in the Premier League era so it's not like we do business back and forth with Spurs so I, can't, I just can't see it happening um, with Harry Kane and if Pochettino does go back to Spurs I'd, I'd be 60-40 that he might actually stay at Spurs now if, if Pochettino does go back it sounds like he's been promised things by leaving. Yeah. It's very dependent on the managers, I feel. You know, whichever managers kind of, you know, taking charge of the clubs in the summer, I think could lead to players wanting to stay, wanting to leave. So that kind of Zidane and Conte, you know, leaving today. And wherever Conte goes as well, maybe Conte, should he go to Real Madrid? Then maybe, mm. you know, I think was Hazard, I think Hazard really liked playing on the Conte. He was very successful, at least on the Conte. So maybe that may rejuvenate his time in the Spanish capital. But, yeah. um, but yeah, it's very dependent on, it seems to be this merry-go-round as well in Serie A with the managers. So um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I always say it's going to be a very interesting summer in terms of transfers, in terms of pre-season, in terms of Euros, in terms of, you know, those players that don't get selected at the Euro for the their national teams, but, you know, join the, go to the training quite early and maybe get that game time with their managers. So yeah, really interesting. And um, yeah, because I think Zaghi's got the Inter Milan job now, hasn't he? I think he's, 
agree to, to take that on. Um, so that'd be, that'd be interesting. Um, but I still think that same stance will come from the owners and the, the hierarchy that they still need to sell players. So sure, I, I'd imagine Lukaku will be on that list of players that are going to be all are in the shop window. Um, so it'd be interesting, like you say, I think once the managerial um, positions are sorted, they'll definitely look at what needs to be done. And I think, well, I say think, I'm hoping Lukaku is in the shop window. Um, I think he'd benefit from, I think Werner and uh, you know, would benefit from playing with him as well. I think it might, again, might give that sort of attacking option um, a bit of a, a, a reshift and it might help Werner as well. I agree. Um We've seen Werner naturally just kind of switches to the wing at times and then just ends up being that player that, you know, feeds the ball to their striker, whether it's Ziyech who comes in or Havertz. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Havertz and Werner would benefit from a player like Lukaku, which I'm going to say is experience seeing, you know, where he's played at and the yeah. level he's played at. But um, I'm just picturing the scenario next week, Hazard or Lukaku <laughs> putting that tweet up. I'm signing for the Champions of Europe. <laughs> Should we win on Saturday? You know, it'd be like a, a repeat of 2012 again. But um. But I think there's three players we mentioned. We didn't talk about Sancho. That's the number one potentially. Yeah. But yeah. Um, any one of those three or four players, I think, will just you know will, will come in and slot in perfectly. And we've also got Fernando Torres, who's uh, apparently coming <laughs> coming back as well. So. I saw his Instagram. <laughs> you know, he's 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 uh, he's got winners a corner. Winners yeah. a corner on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, he's got unfinished business with us. So um, you know, be interesting. I think he's going to announce whatever this is tomorrow um, on Friday. So whenever this comes out tomorrow, we'll, we'll hopefully know um, whether it's just a, a sort of marketing campaign. I was going to say, it, was gonna it's, say uh, it's probably it's promotion some, for his gyms or, you know, coaching yeah, role or something like it's that. something, but. isn't it? So I can't imagine he's going to be playing at Coventry City or somewhere like that. So um, I, just before we wrap up, I just wanted to mention, obviously we, we haven't really spoken about the Euros, but I just want to talk about Tomori not making the provisional squad at all which I think is probably the most craziest thing I've witnessed since COVID um, I just can't believe for a player who's led AC Milan to second in the Serie A and not even in the provisional squad not the, the I'm not to say he's going to make the squad but even as a thought and um, we've got Connor Cody in the team Ben White's in the team it just didn't it's sit baffling. right with me. It's baffling. Yeah. I was, you know, I was trying to think of the possible reasons why maybe Southgate being like, oh, I'd rather focus on Premier League players. Then there's, there's a handful of Bundesliga players, you know, Sancho yeah, and Bellingham. Bellingham's in there. Yeah. yeah but um, Tomori's just been a rock, you know, in that, mm. that centre-back, you know, role for um for AC Milan. And those players that you listed in my head, Tomori's, I'm not going to be biased towards Chelsea because he's a Chelsea player still mm. to this day. But he's a lot better than Ben White and Cody, in my opinion. Yeah. I think, and, I think Tyra, Tyra Mings is in, in that squad as well. Yeah. You know, and he's he's capped by England already tomorrow. Whereas Ben White's never played a game for us before, yeah. I think. So it's it's strange. I think that the raving around Ben White, I think he's um you know, he had a, he was a brilliant season in um in the championship, which I think he's just living off. I'm not saying he's a bad defender at all. Um, you know, he's a good defender, but is he better than Tamori? No. Not a yeah. chance, not at all. And it just it just shocked me. It baffled me. Um, so it's disappointing because I think he deserves to go. Um, but like you mentioned, we've got a World Cup, you know, in in twelve months as well to look forward to. So, you know, he's got another year. Wherever he ends up, wherever he he does go 18, to he's... eighteen months if it's the winter. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point actually. I didn't even think. I forgot it's in uh, Qatar, isn't it? So, um, yeah, you know, if he does go to AC Milan, hopefully that doesn't stop the fact that he's over there from well I don't think Southgate will be in charge for the World Cup if I'm honest so it doesn't really matter I think you I think he'll I think he'll mess this Euro so but that's a so another story for another day um so yeah Champions League final Saturday Theo, Theo's shaking his head for those who are watching uh and listening on the podcast I'm hoping that's a shake of the head because Sterling's just missed a sitter in his head and it's uh it's just gone sky high over the bar Picturing picturing all the different scenarios and my, my head's just going to explode. Yeah. Um, so we've gave our predictions. Um, obviously, we want to be doing this podcast um, in a few days time with the same sort of enjoyment that we did when we realised we're in the final of the Champions League as well. So um, just let them know, Theo, where they can find you um, and obviously all the, all the work you do on Instagram and Twitter as well. 
Yeah, so make sure you follow me on Twitter at Sesky Time. Um, so Sesky, like the Fabregas way of spelling it, and then Time. And um, also make sure to get, um, follow our, our Instagram page um, from the shed end, but underscore between all the, the words of that. Um, I've been writing a few articles, as I mentioned, for the Champions League Journal. So if you want to give those a read, um, they're being published on our, on our Twitter page um, at from the shed end as well. So we'd really appreciate some feedback and um, to let, me, let me know what you guys think of them. Yep. And you can find me on at T dot underscore producer on Twitter. Um, and as always, you know, um, interact with us, let us know what your thoughts are um, during our discussions or afterwards as well. We appreciate all the, the, the feedback and um, the interaction that we get already. So from myself and Theo, thanks for listening. And this has been episode 12 of From the Shed End podcast.